Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Journey to Developer podcast. Today, I have a special guest, one of my good friends in real estate. His name is Jonathan Soto. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. Yourself? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. I definitely said, you know what? I have to have Jonathan on here. He is a mortgage loan officer in the New Jersey area. He's definitely an expert in our market where where we live, where I live. Some of my viewers just, you know, they're across the United States and in other countries, but we needed an expert to come on here and talk about financing, okay? Because there's no way people could buy real estate without their financing in line. I had to bring you on here. Tell us a little bit about, for one, I don't know if you want to tell us the name of your company, what you do as a loan officer. Feel free to. Yeah, definitely. Know. Right now, I'm a loan officer for MLB Residential Lending. We're based out of Union, New Jersey. We have branches all over the state of New Jersey itself. I mainly focus in the Essex and Union County area, but I can loan in any part of New Jersey. My prime focus right now is first-time home buyers. I want to spread the word how accessible and feasible it is for a lot of people to purchase their first home, fire their landlord, even become their own landlord to help them build generational wealth. I just want to continue to spread the knowledge and help people that they think it's not attainable, but it's definitely obtainable. If, if you aren't ready right now, I can give you that guideline process and stepping stones to get ready. Awesome. Let's get into it. How can one, what are some of the steps for your average buyer to purchase their home from, and I want to say probably from start to finish, you don't have to go into it all the way. <laughs> But what are some of the initial steps one would have to take to purchase their first home? I like to break it down to three categories. Number one is uh, income. Of course, the more you make, the more you qualify, but it's, debt comes into place. If you have more debt, you qualify for less. Depending on that ratio, the rest of it will basically go to your mortgage payments. That, that's the very first one. You have to be employed for two years to utilize FHA. If you're a W-2 employer, you have to be at your job or consecutive jobs for at least two years in order to utilize FHA. The good thing about that is if you just graduated school and you started your job, you can actually buy a home. We can use that school education as two years work history. Really? So, I didn't know that. That is correct. Yeah. That's income. Income's number one. Number two, credit. The minimum right now is a 620 for FHA. If you're not at that minimum 620, I can help you. I have uh, systems in place to help you do a credit simulator to tell you exactly what you need to do in order to get to that 620. And there's a lot of people that, that do credit repair. If, if you have anyone uh, familiar with that, you can definitely go that route as well. But number one thing is you cannot have a dispute <clears throat> on your credit before buying a house. That dispute has to be resolved. I, so, I totally agree. <laughs> they look at that as a, neg a negative remark. Yep, that is correct. That's, that's the credit part. And for the credit score, we look at the middle score. If you have one score under the 620, you're fine. Okay. It, as long as the middle score is above the 620. 
The third one is our assets, basically meaning cash. How much cash you have on hand for down payment and closing costs. For an FHA loan, first time home buyers, you can put as little as three and a half percent down. Just put numbers into perspective. Let's say you're buying a house for 300,000. That down payment will be 10,500. The good thing about FHA is you can get a gift from someone or relative or, or close friend then give you that down payment to buy your first house. You can get it from a 401k. You can get it from your employer. Some employers actually give money for a first time. You can get the money from an employer. There's different ways you can get the money for a down payment. And for closing calls, those can vary depending on the, the city, the house, the taxes come into play, higher taxes, higher closing calls because of escrow. Mm -hmm. um, that would depend. The good thing about that is you can add a seller's concession, which is basically adding the closing costs into the mortgage. There's definitely different ways you can maneuver to buy your first home. It, you just have to have that conversation with me for I can better guide you on how to move forward. Awesome. Do you work closely with the down payment assistance programs, the cities, the municipalities? Because I do know some lenders, they don't have the expertise with down payment assistance? Are you skilled? So, so right now, no, we're not working closely with those. Before in the past we were, but as okay. of right now, we, we are not, but we're in the process of trying to bring it back very soon. Okay, cool. And what about, I know they had a program over the last couple of months because of COVID, they were assisting first responders with purchasing homes during this time. Do you have any programs or incentives for first responders at this point? Yes, correct. We have incentives for first responders. We basically give them a credit a credit to lower their closing costs for they can come less out of pocket. What are some things, how does one know how much mortgage they can afford? And well, do you recommend that they come in with what they can afford, their affordability in their mind, and then you say, okay, you can actually afford it? Or do you tell them based on their income what mm -hmm. they can afford? Yeah, there's definitely two ways. It depends on the person. A lot of people have a mortgage payment on their mind. Like, I don't want to pay above this mortgage, but nine out of 10 times, they usually pay more because they're actually owning real estate and they think they're still paying rent. Most of the times, a mortgage will be more than your rent because you have to remember, there's a lot of benefits of owning real estate. Appreciation, number one, it goes up in value. You're paying down the equity with each mortgage payment. You're building equity. There's tax benefits. You're paying the interest uh, and taxes. You can do a write-off at the end of the year. Right. A lot of people have a payment in mind, but sometimes that payment can be higher depending on the price range they, they uh, are looking for, especially in certain parts of Jersey. Most of the times I have a conversation on what you qualify for, the max, but you, of course you don't have to utilize that. And then I reverse engineers, okay, what do you feel comfortable paying monthly? If they tell me what they feel comfortable with, I tell them, okay, you have to find the house within this price range and this amount of taxes. About, to put numbers into perspective, let's say a $350,000 house with 10K taxes, that's about 2,500 a month. Okay. With, with FHA, that's including the taxes, the insurance, the mortgage insurance for FHA about 2,500. Awesome. There are some no money down programs, of course. We have VA loans, we have USDA loans, USDA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, you know, I remember 
2012 or so, when I was much younger, I was looking in rural areas. <laughs> it wasn't even that far. Maybe it was 2013. I was looking at rural areas because I'm like, listen, I, I can move in this area with no money down. I can have a house. So how does one qualify for a USDA loan? And you can even talk about the VA loans. Yeah. So the USDA loan, it all depends on the property, of course. There's certain criteria in the property that has to be more of a rural area. You'll be surprised. It doesn't have to be a farm. A lot of people think is you got to go to the farm. And that's the only way you could get a USDA loan. It just depends on the, like the population and the area. Uh, a lot of some towns and actually Morris County qualify for USDA. I was actually looking for USDA loan myself, <laughs> but um, there's certain criteria that if you own prior homes, it's tougher to get USDA loans. So that got out the question. Yeah. USDA is, is typically on the house itself and debt to income ratios are a little tighter. They're lower. If you qualify for a higher amount for FHA, you'll qualify for a little, a lower amount for USDA. Okay. And then of course with VA, you have to be a uh, re retired military. Yeah, better. Uh -huh. right? mm -hmm. And you Correct. could be uh, current, you could be um, just enlisted. That is a great program and a great way to become a first time home buyer. Just to add a little more with VA, yeah, 0% down mm -hmm. can't go wrong. You, basically, you need the same documentation for any other loan. And for VA, you would need a, the DD214 and the COE, I believe it's called. Those two documentation that are extra that, that your loan officer will request to qualify you. And you can buy a multifamily with a VA loan, so. Can you do that with the USDA loans as well? No. I don't think so. I do not. I'm not. No, I don't think so. Yeah, and I think I, think I was reading at some point the last time I did a home buyer seminar. They were saying that, or I said, maybe that um, the population had to be like under 15,000 or for the town, or very, you know, it has to be a very small rural town. And a lot, I get a lot of questions about 203K loans because you have a lot of individuals who want to act like they're investors, right? They want to buy their first home, but they want to make it to their liking for their first home. And we know it can be a multi-unit and or a single unit. And I, I don't know if they do condos, but I'll let you talk about the 203K loans and that whole process. Yes, yeah, the condos, 203K is a FHA loan. A lot of condos don't uh, approve FHA. It would all depend on the condo itself, but there's renovation loans for conventional as well that we can touch base on. For two or three K loan is basically you're buying a house. Let's say you're approved for three hundred, your pre-approval. You're buying a house for two hundred and it needs seventy-five thousand dollars worth of work. You can actually buy the house and add the renovation into the mortgage for a total of two seventy-five. The, the main thing with 203Ks, you need a licensed contractor that knows how to do 203K loans. Because if you don't have that, it can be a nightmare of a transaction. Mm -hmm. the, the contract itself has to provide a lot of paperwork for that. And if he's dragging his feet on that paperwork, he's going to delay your transaction. Yeah. And but if you have the proper team in place, like anything else, if you have a proper right. team in place, you're fine. Yep, I agree. And what I do, I see it's a struggle with, and especially in Essex County, I can't speak about the other areas in the country, but I know in Essex County, these contractors, I mean, they're worth every penny, but I, I, I see that they're not sticking within that budget. I'm like, well, 
you know, and some of them don't even want to do 203K. At, you know, because we could go into a house as investors. I know you, you're an investor as well. And we could say, all right, this house needs 30 grand or it needs 75 grand. But what I'm seeing is these contractors are charging them retail prices, 150,000, and it's messing up the calculation. Yeah, because 203K, yeah, it's usually a higher price for contract with 203K because of that paperwork and those hurdles they have to go through. And the contractor technically has to come out of pocket up front for most of the work and then they get paid at the back end and a lot of contracts don't like doing that they like getting paid up front for they can actually buy some things and do the work and get paid as they go right. so that's that's one of the reasons why right well i think it protects the consumer the borrower mm -hmm. there's a lot of con tractors out there kind yeah. of people out their money i think it it you, you got to be fair right and I've seen personally contractors just run off with people's money and yeah, I actually out, the license that. wasn't even a real license. <laughs> yeah, I have actually bad story. I know someone uh, did a two or three K for a single family in uh Newark or North Newark mm -hmm. and he did probably ten K work of work and he basically disappeared. And was the bad paid? thing is mm -hmm. he was paid most of the work. The bad thing is the bank she used, of course, it wasn't it wasn't my bank. The bank she used recommended that contractor. That's a very sticky situation. Wow, wow. Yeah. You have to tell me off the air what bank was that. That that's normally, yeah. You normally don't get that. That was probably an inside job, right? That that's crazy. I don't know. I would say always. Interview multiple people, of course. Look, I'm, I'm a firm believer if you're doing a good job, you should get paid what you're doing the job for. Exactly. But don't, don't abuse people. Karma, karma gets back to you. Do right by people, people will do right by you. You can't build a long-term business on screwing people over. It can only last so long. Right. And we, in this business, everybody, especially in real estate as a whole, there's so many different moving parts, there's so many different businesses. And even, you know, us being in the industry, you being a loan officer, I'm being a realtor. Even if you refer me, let's say me and you were brother and sister, right? And we own a real estate company. Even if you were going to refer me, isn't there some type of form you have to, or disclosure you have to tell your client about, like, all right, I own this amount in this company that I'm referring you to. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, it's a law. If you own a certain percentage of the company, like let's say title or, or anything else, you would have to disclose that information. Correct. Yeah. And I think it's necessary because people, you know, again, I see, I hear all types of disaster stories in real estate, even from I title know, company. It's horrible. It's horrible. Even from title, <laughs> like I, you know, at this point, even, it's scary bringing people on the podcast because I like, I, I feel like you're great, but like, even like with hard money lenders and stuff like that, I, I don't really share who I work with personally, because not everybody have the, the same experience that I have with the person, even credit repair. I, I don't even think I'm going to bring any credit repair people because <laughs> things, have, you know, you just never know what credit repair. Because what might have worked for your profile may not work for something else. But the yeah. great thing is with loan originators, you're you're actually hired by the state, right? And the bank. Mm 
you're they're checking your profile. This is not this is not 2009. You can't screw nobody over. Oh no, there, there's a lot of uh, regulations were added because of that. Mm -hmm. The tests, the fingerprinting, background checks, all that, all the nine yards to ensure that there's a lot of laws that were yeah. added because of that. Mm -hmm. And thank God, because while, the stuff wild, that was wild, happening, wild, wild west days. Yeah, I it was know. pretty insane. They were. <clears throat> I was in college. So, so just for example, before there's there's a specific law that you can charge or borrow a certain amount of points. Before that mm -hmm. regulation, they were charging um, five, six points, and they and they don't let the borrower know until closing. The borrower was coming to closing, like, what is all these fees? Either you want the house or, or you don't want the house. Now there's regulations to avoid that. You have to provide the closing disclosure three days before. They can review it, and then when they come to closing, there's no surprises. That, that's a that's a, a good, very good law because it was a wild, wild west days back in the days. Right. And I even hear, I mean, it's not harvest stories. The most, I think, loan officers could charge is what, two points now, right? Three. Three points. You three points. Okay. But if you're getting paid, for instance, like I see loan officers, they're trying to make that three points. They don't care if it's FHA or whatever. They're still like, if they can make the money, they're going to make so the money. It, yeah. A lot of loan officers don't get percentage. <clears throat> it's whatever kind of percentage they have with their bank. They're not mm -hmm. getting, if they're charging three points, they're probably not getting the three points themselves. They're probably lowering your rate. You're paying points to lower your rate or get a better deal. So yeah. the loan officers wouldn't get the, the three points. And well, it depends on the percentage they have. <clears throat> it depends on the percentage they have with their bank. And that's how they get paid. It, it's different. It's different percentages compared to real estate. It's not the same as a as an agent. Right. So I mean, but again, people out here trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. the way you're no, saying no. it is the correct way to do it. If you are going to pay the extra points, you're buying down your interest rate. That's the only way I would charge a point. Right. The only right. way. As we know, Jonathan would be a preferred lender <laughs> because the stuff I see on Instagram. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, a few people that, I, that that they show their their closing disclosure, I'm like, why are you getting charged so many points? And that's the regular rate that's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with the interest, like, you still have people paying interest. I mean, I had a client a couple of months ago. They had a 740 credit score. Not even a couple of months. This was like two months ago, maybe. Huh? 740 credit score. And their interest rate was... 3.65 i'm like what, what was it a was it a reservation renovation loan or was it a regular loan no this was a regular loan for a first-time home buyer and that's they were using a, they were going with a big bank i think that was bank that's, of america at the time uh, so. that's one of the reasons those bigger banks usually have higher fees because on their end you gotta think of it it's a big bank they're not gonna touch it unless they're making a certain amount of money on it they usually mm -hmm. have uh, higher fees higher rates and things like that Smaller banks, that's their bread and butter. They work with the inner city, with uh, different communities and things like that. And they're, they're able to, they don't have that high that high overhead and all those things. They can go the lower rate and help the clients because they're about the clients, not big corporations. Exactly.
the number one thing I would recommend if you're a first time home buyer, you have no, you never owned a home, buy a multifamily as your first home. That's how I started in real estate. And that's how I, I, I don't force people to go that route, but I, I always give that a suggestion because if you would like to, to buy a single family home first and then go buy an investment property, you would have to put 25% down. But let's put that into numbers. Three, let's say your house is 300K. Three and a half percent is 10,500. 25%, let's see. That is uh, four, uh, what's that? 70, about yeah. 75, 75K. The big difference, right? 10,500. 75k if you have 75k in the bank then then go for it that's that's a that's a great solution but the cash on cash return is a huge difference you're putting ten thousand dollars down on that same house seventy five thousand dollars down mm -hmm. it's a big difference on cash on cash return you're basically we, we uh recover the down payment faster and you'll be able to profit faster if you buy a multifamily at your first home I agree. I always, I mean, always advise. I mean, I have a client right now that I think I even told you about. She's not getting it, but I'm telling let her, she doesn't want to deal with tenants. And I understand that she's an older lady, but even if you're older, it doesn't even matter. Hire a property manager, live in the house. They don't even have to know you're the owner. Just buy the house. It's only for one year. Make sure you're screening your tenants correctly. I must say, and at this rate, you should definitely be using a Section 8 tenant, okay? <laughs> it's like, yeah, definitely I, I, love, I love my Section 8 tenant. I can't complain. Me either, okay? Even if they have a huge portion, what? The likelihood mm -hmm. of them trying to get evicted for not, well, even when COVID is over, they still want to have their voucher. The likelihood of them not paying their portion is very slim versus, you know, mm -hmm. cash paying tenants that, I don't even know what's happening in the world right now. They know they don't have to pay rent. They're just not paying rent. Some people aren't working. Some people have been furloughed, laid off. Some people- And some people take advantage of people. Right. And some people just didn't even receive unemployment. Like I have a lot of friends that just never received it. It is what it is, right? Yeah. Some people just going shopping. They balling out of control. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and people that don't want to be a landlord, like you mentioned, just hire a property manager. I actually manage some properties for, for my clients that I help them uh, buy a house, get it, get them the loan and think of it as a business. Mm -hmm. You yeah. put the tenants you want. You don't have to put, you don't have to force anybody in there. No one can force yourself into your apartment. You're, you can vet them properly, background checks, pay stuff put all that information, you you can uh, do the process slowly. You don't have to rush anybody in. If you rush somebody in, that will be a bad tenant. And I would even say, call their job, mm -hmm. call mm -hmm. their prior landlords. Well, well, be careful with that because someone could just give their cousin's number. You're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, yeah, but trust but then verify. Trust them, but do the verification to make sure. And then you could just tell how, I mean, I work with clients all the time with different personalities, okay? Some people are super sweet. And then once you piss them off, they turn into the Incredible Hawk. We all know that. But make sure you're there, you know, treat it like an interview. Look at what they're, I, mean, I hate to say, look at what they're wearing, but look at everything. Like, 
any especially you're living in the house with this person it's not like it's an investment property it is going to be your primary home you're going to care if they're a smoker you're going to care if you know you know they're going to i don't want to say nothing discriminatory but you're going to care yeah, <laughs> discrimination laws on on yes. renting yes but you i mean when you are living in the house you do There's have some, yeah you can discriminate a little more i'm not saying i'm i'm not against discriminating but uh, yeah yeah, I'm 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 like the fair housing advocate. Like okay. me personally, I've dedicated my real estate agent career to working with people that are discriminated in, with Section Eight, with Soda Program, being homeless, etc. However, when you're living under one roof, you have the option of who's going to move in that house with you, mm -hmm. and be selective. And sometimes you can't even go on someone's job because no one has job security right now. At any moment, that person can be out of work. You have to just, you know, decide what works for you. But our, I think both, we both agree, Section 8 is never late and you should go to Section 8 tenant. Got paid, it was today's, I already got, yeah, I already got paid for that Section 8. Me too, mm -hmm. I got I got a cash app, the portion that she, my client, my mm -hmm. tenant has. And then the other check, the check should be in the mail. I ain't go to the PO box yet, but either uh, way, do direct deposit. So I, most of my investments are in Kansas city, Missouri. They're a little behind, but I did sign up for direct deposit. They just didn't do it yet, but it's fine. I know it's going to be there. <laughs> and then I'm deciding now my multifamily that I have in East orange, whether or not I'm going to keep it. I, I still don't know. Let's talk about refinancing. Cause okay. that, that's a big. That has been like the biggest change since COVID that has I've hurt a lot, lot of investors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, cause you know, everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to do the Burr strategy. I'm going to buy it, rehab it, rent it, refinance. Right Number now, two. refinance, if you didn't purchase that property, property correctly at the 65% of the ARV, mm -hmm. you're kind of screwed right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. You always make money on the buy. If you buy at the right price, you're good. Exactly. If, if you're going hard money route, if you're going FHA route, of course, you can't buy that 65. You're buying more retail. Right. But even with that, I was going to keep this property, even though I have an offer for 390 right now, I might probably just sell it, but. Right. So I was told, and I didn't know this until recently that in order for you to get the 80% of the ARV or the LV, you have to live there for 12 months. I'm like, I just bought the house in, in February. That's impossible. That wasn't going to work. And now a lot of the refinance banks or whatever, they're not doing 75%. They're only doing 70% of the ARV. If it's so, in, is, is it an investment, I yeah, mean, it's, it's, a, it's a multi or single. It's a multi. It's a two family with a bonus. It will be 75. Three families are 70. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to talk to you about my profile. And what's the, <laughs> what's the credit score that you need? Conventional, you put 660, 680. Okay. I got it. Mine is like seven something. Now, what are the points that they're charging too? I don't charge no points. Oh. You're okay. talking about residential, right? You're not talking about yeah. uh, five units, six units, right? No. Yeah, somebody tried to charge me, like, I ain't going to tell you how many points. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. But no, they no, were no, at... No. The only were thing at... I would charge will be the commitment fee and the application fee, and that's regular for any loan. Yeah, that's fine. 
that's fine. Now, what are you seeing with these appraisals? Because we were talking about this off the air that the market is crazy right now. It's a seller's market. The houses are mm -hmm. selling for $50,000 over asking with mm -hmm. multiple offers probably at that 50K mm -hmm. over asking. Do you see most of these deals getting appraised at that amount once you go through the process with the buyer? Yeah, a lot of clients, because they're eager to buy the house, they will go 50K over or 60K over asking. Mm -hmm. And a lot of appraisals are, are coming in lower because there's no other houses that sold in that area for that price range. Mm -hmm. A lot of deals are under appraising and they have to go back to the drawing board and, and get the negotiation with the uh, seller. I'm glad you brought this up. We'll say East Orange. Have you have any have you had any deals in East Orange recently? New Jersey? That, that, yeah, but it appraised. It had no issues uh, appraising. So what are like two families with a bonus <laughs> appraising for? You know, I gotta ask because you know we're about to do my yeah, it, it would depend because in certain sections in East Orange, there's this it it depends on the qualification, the bedrooms, the square footage, if it has central heat, central air, if it doesn't, it's a, a lot of things that come into play, like garage. If so it had the bells and whistles, I, I don't see you having an issue appraising for 390 if it's in a, uh, depending on which part of East Orange as well. It's, it's, it's in the 18 parts off of Newark, off of South Orange Avenue to be exact. Okay, okay. But it does have a huge driveway. Like okay. Huge. We pretty much did everything over, I would say. It, it looks good. The siding is done. The roof is okay. We didn't do the roof because it was nothing wrong with the roof. It has a new boiler. We didn't do HVAC. Okay. Um, but everything else is, is new. How many bedrooms total? Seven bedrooms, three baths. Okay. What type of flooring? What type of, how's the kitchen? The kitchen's kitchen. renovated, bathroom's renovated? Everything is renovated. We didn't do hardware. We did a really good laminate. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And then that top, that bonus apartment definitely can be, well, it's already rented technically. I don't have anybody in it yet, but gotcha. we have a person in there for like 1200 ready to go. Um, okay, so, so it's, uh, it's, it has a bathroom. Yeah, it does have a bathroom. Oh, yeah, then, yeah, you could, might be, yeah, you probably could. If, if it's nice inside, then, yeah, you probably, you probably could get that 390. It probably pays for that 390. Nice, good to know. You're going to work on my, my refinance. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. All right. Is there anything else that you want the audience to know about this market? Because again, a lot has changed since COVID. I don't even know what's next. <laughs> I think nobody knows what's next. Only God knows what's next, right? We don't know what's happening with people not paying their mortgages. We know the landlords are not getting any protection, really. Not so much. I think there's a few grants that came out, but I don't know anybody that benefited from it just yet. Maybe the mm -hmm. larger buildings, but not uh, the smaller sure. landlords. What do you think is going to happen in the next 12 months? Your prediction? I would say the rates will stay the same or possibly go a little lower. I would say prices may conti will continue to go up depending on corporation jobs. As soon as we see a huge layoffs from those bigger corporations, that's when there may be some type of stance hold, like a freeze, like on the on, on the prices for real estate. It may dip, it may stay stay there for a while, but I think the those big corporation jobs are play a big role. If those big corporations are hurting, 
then they it it can it can possibly impact the real estate market. I agree, and I think we're in a great hub because New York City, mm-hmm. everybody's fleeing to New Jersey. Okay. Yep. Yep. That is correct. I feel like no one, the people that can't afford New York, they're they don't care because they're flocking into New Jersey anyway. They can still commute mm-hmm. to the city in thirty mm-hmm. minutes. They're good. This is gold to them. Yep. Who's going to suffer mm-hmm. is the people from New Jersey, like in Newark, that mm-hmm. are trying mm-hmm. to become homeowners. They can't afford it now. They're being priced out. Yeah, yeah. And, and the higher I'm price sorry. listings will suffer definitely. Certain areas oh, won't yeah. probably be as impacted, but the higher, I'm pretty sure it's, a, I believe it's already being impacted. Those some luxury, yeah, like short hills, like mm-hmm. living, and they already have high taxes. I think like the Montclairs are good because Montclair is a very popping town, great school district, of course. And then the train accessibility to New York is great. But anything past Montclair, <laughs> maybe even Morris County is fine. If you're Montclair. staying under like 500 to 600,000 for a house, because they don't really have multifamilies out there. I don't even know who's buying single families for that. I mean, not my clients anyway. For six hundred thousand, but I do feel like Essex County is in a great position. Especially, yeah, especially because close, as you mentioned, close to the city. A lot of people are going more south because the main focus for New Yorkers was like Bergen County area, but that that's getting a little shit from what I'm seeing. A lot of more people are interested in Essex County and Union County. To be surprised, yeah. a lot of people are uh, like. The, the Union County area, because there's, there's a lot of cities within Union County mm-hmm. that are easy accessible to New York and have a pretty good, decent price range. Yep, I agree. Awesome. Unfortunately, we do, we will see people facing foreclosure. I don't know if your company deals with any type of mortgage relief. What are some of the options people have right now? People that can pay for the forbearance, that that's number one. If you, if you really can't pay, I would say go in forbearance and uh, to freeze your your mortgage payments. But if you can pay, I would say continue paying and they'll go into forbearance because a lot of clients are in forbearance. They still have their job. They still are collecting rent and things like that, and still got into forbearance and they wanted to and want to refinance. You won't be able to refinance if you have that forbearance language in your credit. Be careful with that. Yeah, if you can't pay, try to go number one forbearance because you utilize that as long as we as that's there. Right. How important is it to have Latino and Black representation in the mortgage industry? Huge, huge, because a lot of people especially Latinos don't feel as comfortable with, with other individuals. Mm-hmm. They feel like, well, a lot of people take it because a lot of us got taken advantage of. Right. We need to help our people spread the word in order to, for home ownership is, is achievable. A lot of people just are stuck in the system and stuck paying rent every month and don't want to deal with the process of actually owning a home. But I want to spread that knowledge. It is feasible. It is doable. If you're not ready right now, the best thing you can do is speak to someone that's familiar with the process for you can get ready in a year from now. Because you don't want to go a year down the road paying rent and then you want to buy a house next year and you're not ready. Right. Start getting ready now. Maybe your credit needs to get fixed 
you can work on that from now. You can understand uh, how much down payment you would need, how much closing costs you would need. You don't want to go a year from now and basically you're starting fresh and you have to wait another year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, I think I have one more question. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, we're both entrepreneurs. And what we didn't talk about was other entrepreneurs that get 1099 income. Self-employed. Yeah, yeah, for self-employed individuals, they do qualify for mortgages, but Mm -hmm. um, what's the big but there? The big but is you have, we use what you, what you pay taxes on. If you have, if you make 200K on your taxes, but you have 160 of expenses, you're only really making 40K to the banks. You're only paying taxes on 40K. The banks will use that 40K as your income. And you, you won't qualify for much. Be careful how you do your taxes, do them properly. And if you do have properties you rent out, make sure you do your schedule E properly for it won't hurt you. If you do, if you have a negative on your schedule E, that's like you have expenses going down your taxes. It would hurt you on qualifying for another property. Awesome advice. And I figured, let me bring that up because I, you know, I've seen it personally where one people were claiming they they made a hundred thousand, but they was claiming fifteen thousand. I'm like, what you what are you buying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, well, what I tell people is, you're trying to trick the organization you're trying to lend from. You're right. telling them, okay, you only made you only pay taxes on fifteen k, and you want to turn around. Give me a loan for five hundred thousand with only three and a half percent down. That's not possible. You have to pay your taxes and then you get a loan. Exactly. All right. Well, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on here today. It was great. As you know, you're my preferred lender. I definitely, I, get, I try to give clients three lenders to choose from, but we're going to make you highly recommend it. And we'll be in touch. And thanks for coming on. Have a blessed thank you, day. Thank you for having me. And Tell everyone how they can stay in contact with you. Yes. My, I have my Instagram is John does real estate. That's J O N does real estate. No caps, no, no special characters, no spaces, no underscores, anything like that. And my website for mortgage is Jonathan Soto.mlbmortgage.com. And you can apply online and you can reach out to me for further questions for a free consultation. Awesome. All right. Well, goodbye for now and we'll talk soon.